Alzheimer's Speak. This is part of Alzheimer's Speaks Radio, and we have started to do some video interviews. And today I'm really excited to have with me our guest, Lisa Head. She's a phenomenal person. She taught band and elementary music for 28 years. She's authored three books and has three sons. And Lisa is now adjusting to life with dementia. Today she's going to share not only her story and the impact dementia has had on her life but also her boys, her friends, her family, and how they're all dealing with this diagnosis and planning for the future. Lisa has a blog, and again, we'll talk a little bit more about that later, but she's very active social media-wise, um, extremely positive in terms of her approach to continue to live life and move forward and help others. So I know you're going to have a, a great show here today. So welcome, Lisa. Thank you. It's nice to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah, well, I, um, I'm i just so impressed with what you're doing and your approach to the disease. Uh, you know, a lot of times it's really easy to kind of get down in the dumps once somebody gets diagnosed, if it's with mild cognitive impairment known as um, MCI, or if it's, uh, you know, one of, one of the actual dementias, you know, Alzheimer's, Lewy body, vascular, frontal temporal lobe are, are just a few to, to name a couple. Can you tell people a little bit about your history? Maybe what were your signs? And then, you know, what did you do um, when you were feeling things were a little bit off? Well, I kind of came in through the back door. Um, I had a stroke in 2013. And I had speech problems and problems on my right side. And so I had to go to speech therapy, uh, occupational therapy, and physical therapy for quite some time. And in speech therapy, uh, they did a lot of cognitive testing, and you get scored on it. And I still, even though I could not speak very well, uh, I um, scored well on the tests. There's... um, several tests that go up to 30 and and 27 up is a normal and I was getting 27s and um, not doing badly on the test even though I sounded like I had marbles in my mouth Mm -hmm. and so I continued to have TIAs and every time I had a TIA I, I had to go back to therapy and I kept getting tested well so now for a couple of years off and on and Finally, my test scores started getting lower and lower and lower, and um, my uh, speech therapist told me that I needed to, she said, I'd really like for you to start making plans for, you know, where the boys are going to go, should the need arise, and who's going to take care of you, and a power of attorney, and uh, that kind of thing, she said, because someday you won't be able to 
make that decision yourself and you wanted to be able to make it. So you need to do it now. And she never would come out and say anything, you know? And so I got a POA at financial one and I got, um, um, my kids set up. I already had the will and everything that was already done deal. But, um, the thing I didn't do was plan for myself <laughs> very well. And, um, but I got everybody else taken care of the animals and, er, you know, everything. And so, um, finally I had to switch, I was going, I had switched insurance companies and I was going to have to go to see a different doctor. And so they assigned me a doctor. And so I went back to my regular doctor and told him what was going on because I knew that, uh, he would be sending all my medical records to the new doctor. And I thought, well, we better get this on the record because, um, you know, if I'm getting to the point where the speech pathologist is getting concerned, then I need to voice something to the doctor. And I, so I went in to see him and I told him what was going on. And so he did a, 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 a workup, blood workup and physical workup to make sure that it wasn't something physical that uh, was mimicking dementia. And he said, if that all comes back clear, he's going to give me a cognitive test. Well, it all came back clear. <laughs> and so he gave me a cognitive test and I didn't uh, fare so well. And so he sent me to a neurologist and the neurologist diagnosed me with dementia. And so um, I got caught early. And the odd thing about it is um, I, I don't know how to say this because <laughs> Um, I, I don't want to sound egotistical, but they always say that the smarter the person is, the harder it is to detect until they're in the late stages. And I think that is true to some extent, but luckily we caught mine early because I was already in speech therapy. Well, it was interesting, even when you were talking earlier about taking your test, I'm like, that's that teacher going out, no fear of tests, you know, where you, you can maneuver where some of us don't like taking tests, you know, and so we're not going to do good if there's a problem or not, if we know information or not sometimes, but yeah, that is so true, and like you said, I mean, I, I like the attitude, you know, I was lucky they caught it early, you know, so that you can, can deal with that. How long ago was that, Lisa? That I was diagnosed. Yeah. I was diagnosed in October of last year, 2017. Okay. 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 So very, very recent. Yeah. Um, now, at this point, are you working, or have you had to quit work once you had that stroke? And mm. okay. That's what I thought. Um, can you tell people what kind of like daily challenges that you're having? Um, right now? Well, right now, um, I'm having trouble um, with getting in and out of the shower, but that has more to do with the back surgery that I had. Uh, I, with that being said, I don't know that I would suggest uh, surgery for dementia patients mm -hmm. <laughs> unless, unless it's um, to relieve pain um, and you know it's not going to get any better. Um, it was a rough go there for a while, um, but uh, I 
have to write everything down. I keep a calendar that tells me when I write on there, when I take my showers, when um, I write down, when I give my, I take B12 shots. So when I give myself a shot so that I know we have a huge, I'm in the kitchen, we have a huge desk calendar on the wall and everybody puts um, their schedule on there and if the if it's not on the schedule it doesn't get done and then um, I have a I forget to take my medicine so we have a I have a uh, machine that turns an alarm goes off and then the pills are there and the only way to get the alarm to go off is to turn it upside down and get the pills out and I will tell you I don't have it on me or I show you it's on Amazon for like $75. They go all the way up to hundreds of dollars, but I would suggest that. And then um, I don't know a lot of times what day it is. And so I have a atomic clock that has the day of the week, um, the time, and the date on it. Well, I love that you've set up systems. You know, um, the big calendar. Now, when you say, you know, if stuff doesn't get up there, then it doesn't get done. Are the boys each responsible for, for putting their own stuff down? So if they have places that they need to get to? Well, um, only if they don't tell me if it doesn't, if it's not, if it's on a big schedule, we sit down with, uh, um, I have um, help that comes in and we sit down and we write it all on there. And, um, if uh, somebody decides that they're going to um, gonna go to a party, you know, a band party on Friday, well, you're old enough now because you're in high school, go ride it, you know, <laughs> on there. And he he does. He's pretty good about that, except our calendar needs to replace. But um, but he's really good about that. The younger ones, not so much, but. They don't have that social life going on yet that the high school student does, you know. Can you tell us how old your boys are? Yes, um, I have a 14-year-old that's a freshman in high school. I have a 13-year-old that's a seventh grader. And I have a 10-year-old that is about to turn 11, and he's in fifth grade. Okay. Great. And you're, you're a single mom, correct? So, so you're maneuvering all this stuff alone. I think that's one of the myths out there is that everybody has a, a partner, you know, that they're living with that can help support them. And, and um, that's a whole different ball of wax. Not only do you have to manage for yourself, but you're managing for three active boys. And right. um, I'm just having kids that that's complicated alone, <laughs> let alone having cognitive difficulties. How have they done with your with the diagnosis? Um, well, um, at first I didn't I didn't tell them. They knew that I had memory problems, and then um, I went ahead and started using the word dementia. And the reason I worried about it was afraid they would look it up and then get scared because their only example of it is me mm -hmm. and um, society's view of it uh, seems to be that once you get the diagnosis all of a sudden 
you know, you're drooling and you're incontinent and you can't form a sentence. And that's not the case. A lot of the times, um, if they catch it early enough, you don't even know that they have it because it's not like um, they deemed me uh, on the head with a wand and said, you have dementia. And all of a sudden I just, and <laughs> there's, so um, they, I sometimes wish they understood it a little better than what they do, but uh, I, I do a lot of things that I always did except physical and um, they've taken up slack. Um, we just blame my back for that, but um, they don't understand like, well, they get frustrated, I should say, uh, with me because they'll tell me they need something. And I'll say, well, you should have, why are you waiting until today to tell me? And one, one was, um, I'm not going to say what it was because if he ever sees this, he'll kill me. But it was a clothing item that he needed. And uh, <laughs> I said, why don't you tell me? He said, I've told you four times. And then he was able to tell me what the conversation was each of the four times. And I'm sure he's right because that sounded like something I'd say, you know, and uh, I have had no memory of the other three conversations. And so it's tough for them because sometimes I said, I didn't know anything about it. And I did. I just really don't remember it. Yeah. Yeah. That, that would be hard, you know, especially for kids um, to get that concept because you've always remembered you know, um, so that that change has to be something that they adjust to. How about your your family, your parents? Do you have siblings at all, or um, I I just have uh, step um, siblings. Um, so that uh, I don't see them. I talk to them. Uh, I talk to one of them, uh, and. Um, she wants to be helpful. Um, and then my dad um, is going to be 80 on Christmas Eve. And so um, he wants to move up here closer, but um, he can't, he can't possibly, I need to take care of him. And so it's um, kind of a, a rough situation that we're in because the way that it works with agencies is, you know, they'll do my clothes, my shopping, my dish, my stuff, and not the boys. And so there's nothing set up for families that are in this situation. Wow. Yeah. When you're responsible, I mean, that is, I mean, I would look at it if I'm doing shopping for my kids, that is me. That's part of me. You know, so that that has to be really frustrating that they're not looking at at the whole package with mm. things like that. Yeah, I, I that's something. Um, honestly, I can say I never, I, I've never heard anybody say that before. Um, but that makes sense, and I can see how it got set up that way, but yet not real effective at all with that. Are you guys in the same state as your your dad? Or yes. Okay. Okay. Yes. Yeah. That's that's got to be that's got to be difficult. How about friends? Um, do you still uh, do they still come around? So often people say friends kind of go by the wayside. 
Um, how about your circle of friends? Um, that circle has pretty much disappeared. Um, it's like, uh, oh, it's almost like people think that it's contagious or they don't know what to say. Um, not just say anything, just come hang out and watch, you know, TV show or, you know, go out and get a Coke or something to drink or, you know, just do something. Um, but, um, my dad made a comment one time when he was visiting, um, he was here for a couple of days and he said, there's usually people, he was sitting on the couch and he said, there's usually people in and out of here. We're, where'd everybody go? Did you scare them off? Mm -hmm. And the kids were in the room and I said, no. And he went, and I did one of these, you know, so that I didn't have to say it in front of the kids and um, he got it. He knew what I meant. Wow. Know? That's so sad. That is so, so, so sad. Oh, well, it's their, it's their loss, you know? Well, yeah. But, um, you know, and I just, I, um, but I've made, uh, so I just decided to get new friends, you know, yeah. so, um, I've done that a little bit, um, you know, but like, um, one of my caregivers, um, Nicole, I talk about her a lot on YouTube. Um, we were more of a probably we were, we were friends, but we weren't real close. You know, we knew each other. And since this has happened, um, we've become really good friends. Um, and um, then my best friend at the time, um, she was all gung-ho when I told her my uh, story and wanted me to go to all these workshops and things where they – tell you what it's going to be like. And I said, I don't want to know what it's going to be like. <laughs> so I, don't need, I don't need that. And uh, um, never comes around, you know, just, and it, it's just crazy the way that it all works out. And, um, you know, is a lot of people have become non-existent. Let's put it that way. And then people that um, I didn't know before have, gone out of their way to be helpful so yeah it is interesting but again i like your attitude of you know if they're out of my life i'm going to get new friends you know and i'm a firm believer that you know people come and go out of our lives for different reasons mm -hmm. and i i know so many people living with dementia you know their core group of of um, friendships isn't physically around them but it's virtually through social media and the conversations that are had are so authentic and honest and in deep, you know, it's not how's the weather, what's the sports score. It's how are you really doing as a whole person? And, and it's okay to say the good, the bad, and the ugly, because that's real life. And right. Those falsehoods kind of go. So with your children, it, you know, if the disease progresses and you're unable to care for them, are you, are you open to sharing with our audience what you have, um, what kind of plans you've made uh, to make sure that they're cared for? Um, well, um, I have a uh, cousin that's going to take them um, if that's the case, but that's not my desire. 
-hmm. my dream, um, my dream is that um, I will be able to hold off on getting worse because actually I, I, when I um, had my back surgery, they had home care and they ordered speech because I was hallucinating and things when I got home uh, from the hospital, but that was because of all the drugs that they had in me. And so the, but the person that was here at the time assessing me didn't take that into consideration and ordered speech. And so speech came in and tested me and I tested above, not much, but just above the dementia line. So my, I'm feeling positive and um, I use a substance along with my medication. I take my medication that the doctor gave me that's supposed to slow it down, but I also use CBD oil. And um, my, uh, I have a friend that I see every two weeks and she's kind of my judge on how I'm doing. And when I went to see her last week, she said, I can't even see any of the signs anymore. She said, before you started the oil, I could tell you had had it. She said, now I don't see the signs. Well, in the CBD oil, that's the cannabis oil? Um, yeah, but it has no um, THC. It's all CBD. It's actually made out of hemp. So there's no, um, there's zero um, THL, which, and which gives you the high. There's okay. zero of that in it. It's simply made out of hemp oil, which is um, not, um, it doesn't cause any um, side effects. You know, I have heard more people using the CBD oil for so many things from chronic pain and um, to vertigo to dementia and it was kind of amazing results and people I think are skeptical of it because it's like oh I don't want to get high or I don't want to get addicted and you know my understanding is that's not going to happen with this um, but it has a, a calming you know effect on our on our systems and you know when we're stressed um, just we react and when you when, when you're stressed with dementia you know, your symptoms can increase. And so to me, that makes perfect sense that that would, that that would help calm things down. The CBD oil mm -hmm. that does not contain any TLC, I'm saying TLC, I'm saying the wrong letters. I'm not sure what it is, so I can't help you out. Uh, it's the marijuana part. Um, mm -hmm. And um, it doesn't have any in it. You don't get addicted to it. You don't get high to it, but um, I forgot what I was going to say. Oh, it's legal in all 50 states. The okay. CBD oil is. Okay. And, and the, and I live in Indiana, which couldn't, um, I was going to say it couldn't be any more backward than I don't know where. Um, and they just passed a law which shocked me because we weren't expecting it by any stretch um, that you can now have 0.03%, which I think the purpose behind that 
because my oil still doesn't have any. Purpose behind that is a caregiver can um, ask to get a license and then grow it at home for the patient, but not to not to sell, you know, or anything. Mm -hmm. But um, I order mine online. Okay, and then how do you how do you take that then? Do you drink it? Do you put it on? How how do you take your CB? I take mine um, under my with a dropper under my thumb under under my tongue. I put nine um, drops under my tongue, and when I took it in to show the ne uh, neurologist, um, he got very excited, <laughs> and he was trying to figure out how much. I was taking and he said that he said this would help so many people but um he said we don't know how to to how to prescribe it you know we don't know how much you know because they have to put it in that oil so that it makes it thicker so that it will drop i guess and so um it's not the whole thing is not cbd oil does that make sense that yeah with uh, something else and um anyway so he was reading the label and they were trying to figure out how much was being how many drops and um he said that i wasn't taking very much which was good because i can always go up if i need to and then um he said and the problem with dementia is that you can't measure it because yes i can complete my sentences most of the time now and I stay on topic where I used to not stay on topic and um, he said but that's not measurable and but with somebody with seizures you know if they went from 20 seizures to 10 seizures to five seizures you can figure out the dosage and you can measure it and he said but we can't with dementia and so he was trying to figure out how much I was taking and and that kind of thing and so I thought that was kind of cool I got yeah well and it's you know the saying is when you've met one person with dementia you've met one and you know we're all individuals and but if it's you know if it's legal um I think what with so many other tools when it comes to dementia you know it's kind of trial and error you know and and anytime you're doing medications i don't care if it's taking a tylenol or an aspirin or whatever most yeah. people start out on a low dose and if they need more then you then you add on to it but again keeping the doctor in the loop is is uh very important too so that's uh, that's great to to hear that that's working for you now have you changed your diet or exercise regime at all since diagnosis um no <laughs> no um i uh i didn't change my diet um and because uh <laughs> oh how do i say it with um you know it's it's at some point um you know, I wasn't real crazy about the CBD oil, but I could stomach it at night before I go to bed, and it's not changing my life, you know, a life changer. But quality of life, and I like food, and I like breads, and I like pizzas, and, you know, I like chocolate. And 
um, I'm going to enjoy, you know, I'm not going to um, follow that too much. I get a lot of exercise when I'm not having back surgery, um, just running around with the boys. And I have a membership up at the gym that I used to go to quite often until um, the back problems started. Um, so I've always exercised. And what's funny is people will say that don't know me will say, um, you know, if you learn an instrument, it'll keep it from progressing. Well, I was a music teacher. I played my whole life instruments and it didn't stop it from happening. So, you know, I don't necessarily buy into all that stuff. If you yeah. get my Cause I was in Taekwondo, uh, just, you know, testing and getting belts and all that when this all started. So I was exercising big time, you know, my weight was way down. I was playing music all the time. And it didn't stop it. <laughs> yep. Yeah. It's, you know, it can enhance things at times for people. But, you know, I think of music with my mom. Um, it, it sure didn't slow it down, but it gave her a lot of joy. You know? Oh, yeah. And so especially towards the end, um, even when she was, you know, people would say she's that shell of a body, you know, in her end stages, I mean, the, her toes would start wiggling, her hands were going, and she was trying to say the words, and she just lit up, you know, she just lit up to music, and, and, you know, I, I just, I'm kind of like you, there's so many theories out there on, on what we can do to fend this off, yet, how do you really know when you don't even know what causes it? You know, we, we don't know the root cause of it yet and there's so many different theories out there you know it, it's it's a tough one it's a tough one to do and you know even with the doctor saying well you know it's something that's hard to track because you know they can't they can't monitor it well they could do a study and really follow somebody around and tick off how often are they not able to find their words you know but researchers have chosen not to Right. Well, so my, that's what my friend said. They said, sure, they can measure it. You know, if they sit there and they talk to you and you said the wrong word three times in 45 minutes or you went off track, you know, four times in that window and then you take it and then you see if that changes, you know, in that 45 minute window. And I thought, well, yeah, they could. You're right. They could do a study. Uh, I just, maybe someday they will. Yeah. I well, just don't know who that will be. Well, and it's hard, you know, because, you know, pharma kind of controls and pushes a lot of the research. But, yeah, we're seeing changes. I mean, we're seeing more studies for um, social engagement, you know, with the arts and different things. And, my gosh, you know, 10 years ago, that was like, no, that's not going to happen. You know, that can't help. It has to be a pill. It has to be, you know, and it's just like, well, so that's, that's been nice to see that change. And, and I think the, I think communities and individuals are really getting out there and pushing. They're talking about it more. They're sharing their experiences like you like you are. And that's one thing I really wanted to talk to you was you have a YouTube channel. You're out there just like every day. 
um, you know, shooting stuff out. What what made you decide to have a YouTube channel? And, and what do you do on it? Why don't you share that with our audience? I do have a um, YouTube uh, channel because uh, I started looking around on YouTube and I couldn't find any videos about having dementia. They were all uh, the caregivers and how it affected care caregivers and caregivers were doing all the talking and um, nobody was asking the patients anything and everybody was kind of guessing what they were thinking and guessing what they were wanted to say instead of um, there being anything out there with actual people that have it talking. Now there's um, another guy that I like to watch that's up there and his name's Peter, but I can't think of his last name right now. Uh, he has Alzheimer's and he does one weekly. Um, and I can look at, I can look real quick and see if I can find it. But um, I went on there because I wanted people to see that we weren't, I wasn't any different the day before I got the diagnosis, the day I got the diagnosis and the day after. And that, um, I was still the same person. I started the video uh, when I knew that I was going to get the diagnosis because everybody was kind of hinting at it. Um, and then, but it still hit me like a ton of bricks when he said it. Um, so the idea behind the YouTube channel is to help not only the people that get diagnosed, but also to help, um, people that um, are caring for them because my my argument is that the ter terms are thrown around like um, uh, let me think of one um, being difficult um, and uh, being angry outbursts um, acting out well my point is, if if I if I don't deal with my feelings about what's happening, I'm going to be in a bad mood, and I'm going to be angry. I might have all kinds of feelings, but I, if I don't deal with them, then how am how am I going to come out? Even with my boys now, I'm going to be snappy. I'm going to be hateful. I'm going to be mean if I don't take care of my feelings. And my argument is if people knew kind of what their people were thinking or doing, you know, we could kind of work on the feelings and I want to get a group started uh, for people with dementia so that you can talk it out because there's all kinds of things, you know, that, you know, we could talk about. I did a Zoom group one time and by the time we got done, we had somebody's insurance figured out. You know, <laughs> and uh, it's just because everybody's had experiences and can share them and they're different. And, and some of them are the same. Oh, well, that happened to me, too. And so the idea behind the channel is to kind of give that uh, support to those people that 
have it and also support those people that are caregiving if they have questions. I don't know if that is. No, I, I think it makes a lot of sense and I admire you for doing that. You know, my mom had dementia for 30 years and that's why I started Alzheimer's Speaks was because I, I learned so much from her because I, I valued um, what she was teaching me. And I think, again, I, I think it gets back to the stigma of even like what you said is, you know, people think that you go from here to here in, in, two, in two seconds of being told you've got a diagnosis, all of a sudden you're like, boom, <laughs> you know, right. <laughs> you are what you used to be. And you guys have such great insights. And I, to me, it's asinine that we haven't been doing that more, that we haven't been raising your voice, that, um, you know, we, we as outsiders, even if we're care partners or if we're physicians, it doesn't make any difference. We don't really know. We're, we're giving it our best guess, but, you know, we're wrong a lot of the times on what's going on. And so... And when we see somebody getting mad, we're always looking at, well, they're mad, but we're not looking at what caused that anger. And it was probably us, you know, that did something <laughs> that, that triggered that reaction. And so every, everybody wants to make this disease black and white, and it's very colorful. Oh, yeah. And it's very shaded. And I, I, I mean, I think this disease is here to teach us to be better people. I, I truly do, and, and make us be more introspective and make us pay more attention to body language and make us be more compassionate and less judgmental. And I mean, to me, there's so many gifts wrapped in this disease that, um, you know, I just feel that it's an honor to, to be around it all because there's so much to learn. What the disease teaches us isn't just limited to dealing with somebody with the disease. It, it teaches us to be better people. We have our group called Dementia Chats, which again, we'd love for you to be part of. And that's where, you know, we get together um, and we chat for about a half an hour and we decide what we're going to talk about for the next hour and we push the button, record it, we, and then we, we push it out there. And, you know, it's okay to, to disagree. Um, everything is very polite, um, but as a group, we're always learning from one another and people still think they know it all, you know, and, and what I hear from people with dementia a lot is, you know, the experts are saying this and that, but that's not true or that's not, it's not true for me. And they're looking at how individualized this is and, you know, being so respectful with the process. And again, the bar is starting to change. It's got a long, long ways to go. Now, a lot of times you're doing these videos and you're, you're driving a car. And a lot of people would think, well, the person with dementia can't be driving. But, you know, you're out there still, you know, engaged, doing it all. And um, how does it make you feel when, you, when you're recording? You're so authentic. And, you know, if you're having a good day or a bad day. or um, It's very therapeutic to tell you the truth because... Um, I, I keep thinking, well, why, I'm not saying anything. I feel like, you know, I, I just talk and let whatever comes out of my mouth comes out of my mouth. 
but I find it to be very therapeutic because I'm talking to somebody and um, I get comments back. I have a great community that is very good at commenting and um, it calms me down and especially, you know, and the, the tear days, you know, it, I always feel better afterwards and it's, it's like, you know, talking to your best friend. Um, so it helps me when I, when I'm talking. Yeah. One of the things that um, I, I hear people say was uh, it gives them purpose that this isn't all for naught. And I think, you know, it's healthy for all of us to live with purpose. And yet I think so many people have forgotten that or have never, or, or have never had that in their lives. Mm -hmm. And so even for many with dementia, um, and I talk with people all, all around the world, so often they'll say, you know, I, I really didn't have a purpose in my life. I didn't feel as fulfilled as I do now with dementia. And they're like, that might sound really crazy, but it's really true uh, for so many. Mm -hmm. uh, again, taking a, a bad situation and trying to make it better, not only for yourself, but for others is, is I think, very commendable. And so I, I appreciate all that you're, you're doing and making a difference. And, um, you, you know, your voice will just continue to grow and be out there. And, and even, I think, with your boys over time as they get older, I mean, that's a legacy piece for them, you know, that it will always be there that, you know, how mom dealt with this. And, and as they get older, they may look at how their life was very differently by watching your story and, and sharing your story, you know, with others. So uh, again, I, I thank you for, for all you do. Now your YouTube channel is um, Living Life with Lisa. Is that correct? That's correct. And same with your Facebook group. Um, the, I have a living life with Lisa on Facebook that is a, a closed group, but I accept anybody in there that um, um, wants to be in there. I have had to remove some people, <laughs> but um, I that's another place where I just share things with uh, family members and friends and, and people off of YouTube because uh, my followers, because I tell them um, the name of it and I wanted them to post pictures of them walking when we're doing this walking challenge right now. And they're not doing that, but <laughs> one tried, but it wouldn't post for some reason. And uh, so we talk a little bit more over there. Um, and then I try to get YouTube uh, videos up several times a week. I was bad the last couple of months, but I was stuck in a chair and, you know, in excruciating pain. So sometimes I got some of them up there with me uh, wincing and just saying, I'm still on the side of the dirt, you know, <laughs> can't talk to you right now. Uh -huh. But yeah, I do feel a purpose. I feel like this is why I got it. And I'll tell, and can I tell you why? Please. Um, well, I got, um, by the way, I want to say this before I forget. Okay. The other uh, person that I found on uh, uh, YouTube that does a great job of it telling about he has Alzheimer's. Mm -hmm. 
and his name is uh, Peter uh, Berry, B-E-R-R-Y, and he uh, does one a week, and uh, he's um, very calm and talks about everything that's happening that week, and uh, he's just easy to listen to. Wonderful. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. But um, also, uh, so anyway, so the reason that I, I, okay, I have red hair for a reason. And all those rumors you heard about uh, redheads is true. Um, my mother also was a um, activist and um, she had picket signs in my hand when I was eight. And so I figure, figuratively, I'm not saying that like, um, figur figurative, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm trying to say, um, I've been having trouble with words today, but um, the sign in my hand. So um, when I first had my stroke and then I had some setbacks and I ended up in a wheelchair for a while and I just started seeing how people treated people with handicaps and uh, I still notice it um, and I usually voice it um, so anyway um, I got diagnosed and I immediately called the Alzheimer's Association in uh, Chicago, the headquarters, and they were very good about talking to me, and they were very nice, um, and they, um, so as we talked, um, they wanted to send me a whole bunch of stuff, and I said, no, um, don't send me a whole bunch of stuff right now, because I don't want to be overwhelmed right now. Okay, so then um, I told them that I wanted a group. And they said, well, somebody from your local chapter will um, call you and you can tell them what you need because I wanted a group for me and a group for the boys to go to so they could talk. And... Um, so I got uh, a call at like five o'clock, which is quitting time um, from the Fort Wayne chapter of the Alzheimer's Association, which is my local chapter. And I live several counties to the west of um, Fort Wayne. And the lady got on there and I explained, explain to her that uh, what I um, you know that I've been diagnosed and everything that I told the other group other people and then I told her that um, I had three kids and that I wanted um, to get a group going for them and I wanted to get a group going for um, people like me and she literally ripped me up one side and down the other because 
how dare I get dementia when I still had kids at home? Yeah. <laughs> like you said, sign me up. I'm ready. <laughs> yeah. And um, so um, I was still in a, I don't know if I still in, in, was in uh, denial or if I just, you know, realized that I hadn't changed any, you know, or what, because I still have a lot of hope. And um, so uh, I said, oh, they said you were going to come out. Well, I can come out. And I said, I don't want you in my house. And um, it got it got very heated. And um, they told me they had groups in um, the counties to the west of me, but nothing in my county, but this is uh, where I live. And this is, they're supposed to serve my county, that they don't have anything in my county, but they're all for caregivers. So you don't want to go to those. Uh, we just don't have anything for you. And I said, are you, planning no and I said isn't that your job yes and you're not doing it no I said we're not doing a very good job of it then are you no and she just was just real nasty with me and that part part she was by that point she was getting uh, patronizing and I was actually sobbing to the point that I couldn't catch my breath and wow. Um, I was so upset because I was being berated through this entire phone call. Um, the video is better because I remembered all the words in the video um, that she said. But um, it was a, an aw an awful experience. And so, I luckily it was a Friday, and Fridays are pizza night, and we have them delivered. So I opened the door and threw money on the floor, and. Uh, Y'all, that's for the pizza, because we were called <laughs> And I wasn't going to come out sobbing like that, because I didn't want to scare the boys. And I couldn't calm down. I was, you know, it was just even kind of thing. And so I called the national chapter and told them what was going on, what was said, and what was going on. And um, they got me calmed down enough so that they could understand me. And then I told them, and the girl wrote it down. She said, I'm going to take this to my supervisor. And so took it to the supervisor. The supervisor called me at 9 o'clock that night, and I said, I understand that um, she might have been having a bad day or something, but they need to pull her off the phones. And she said, nobody needs to talk to anybody like that, especially in that condition. And I said, well, the thing is, is I was in a good mood. I wasn't upset at all. And... I still had hope. What if somebody had called that was desperate and suicidal? They would have just went ahead and put a bullet in their head. Yeah. After that. And, uh, and so at that point I realized that, you know what, if they're not going to do it, I'm going to do it. Cause somebody has, to, somebody has to get it done and yeah. And they're not doing it, so I guess that's up to us, huh? Well, and I think we're seeing more and more of that happening, you know, and, and budgets are, are very tight out there, and staff is short, and, and not just their association, but kind of all over. And But I also think that it's really important that 
we deliver the services that are needed, not the services that we've always done. Because not all the services we've always done are still needed in the same way. And so I think it's critical to listen to people in terms of what's going on. And, um, you know, there are a lot of young children whose parents have dementia. Maybe the numbers aren't as high as those that don't, but that doesn't make them any less relevant right. or less of a need. And I know there's been talk um, through various groups of trying to pull kind of a, a Zoom group together, a virtual group for kids to be part of, and then, um, you know, what I've heard from many is the fear of liability, of monitoring, you know, the kids, and, and how does all of that work, so I don't know, I, I think a lot of, um, there's just so much being addressed now by grassroots that has said, um, you know, our, our government and our associations aren't meeting our needs, and so people are just stepping up, like with the memory cafes, where, People can go and talk about all of life, you know, not just focus on the doom and gloom of, of dementia. I mean, we laugh so much in ours. And, um, you know, our people with dementia, man, they still, some of them have those one-liners and those zingers yeah. <laughs> one after another. And then there's, there's times we cry together or, you know, we try to figure out support. And facilitators, I think, more need to take a step back and let the group answer the questions and then add to it mm -hmm. instead of taking over the conversations and, and things because there's so, I learned so much in those groups. You know, I just think that there's so much validity, but everything doesn't have to be, um, I always refer to kind of the bed in the bag where, you know, everything's here, pull it out and make the room look pretty. You know, uh, there's, there's a lot of things that we can do piecemeal. Um, and, and to me, it's better to start something than to just sit around and talk about it, even if it's not perfect, because you're going to learn what the needs are as you go. Mm -hmm. and, and to me, that's just common sense, but it isn't common sense. It isn't common practice in most businesses mm -hmm. or organizations. And I think, I think some of that is changing too. Um, I think people are beginning to be afraid of not trying versus being afraid of failure and never stepping forward. You know, they're seeing the needs because people are speaking up, those with dementia and those that care for them. And uh, the other thing you had referred to was that there were a lot of caregiver support groups. That just fascinates me that there would be more of the the caregiver supports than there would for the actual person because I think that's just such a critical step or you know with with the memory cafes that I'm involved in um, people would make comments like we, you can't have them both together well where do you think they are 99% of the day they're spending time together why can't we have them in a group together and you know it all got to, down to well people are going to complain or people are going to maybe say some things that are disrespectful maybe that shouldn't be the primary focus maybe we can vent in other ways where we can do it respectfully in front of one another and with one another because you know what they got something to say too <laughs> they're not always happy with how we treat them we make mistakes but nobody wants to to admit that and it, it's such a falsehood and a, a fake reality so 
I, I think these conversations are so healthy and so helpful for so many. Again, I'm, I'm so proud of the, the work that you're doing and the voice that you, and the stands that you're taking because I know it's helping a lot of people, Lisa. So thank you so much for, for joining us today. One final question I would like to ask you, is there any advice that you have for someone who's, you know, when they first get diagnosed, is there something that you would have wished you were told or or known of? I wish that um, when I'd gotten my diagnosis that they had a social worker there to talk to me Um, or a number to call. Um, I was just given a pamphlet on what dementia was and sent on my way. You know, it's kind of like with anything, when somebody's told they have cancer, you know, and then just, and then bye, you know, they need to have that. There needs to be an in-between. Yeah, to be able to help you process and to, to give you hope. And, um, you know, there's so, there's so much out there now on Facebook and YouTube. And I know a lot of people are scary of all those things, but, you know, you can, you can sign up to be part of a group. And if that group doesn't work for you, that's okay. Cause that's what we do in real life. You know, we like step our toe in and go, no, these people aren't for me. You know, I'm going to go over here and, and you can have control over that. I've just found so many people find such peace and happiness and, and this sense of belonging when they're connected socially, but that doesn't always and it can't always happen physically, you know, depending on where you're, where you're located and what's around. But there is a lot of support out there that, that people can get. So, again, I would encourage our listeners to, you know, check out Lisa on Facebook, um, Living Life with Lisa, or on her YouTube channel, Living Life with Lisa. You'll get a really good taste and feel for all of her videos and who she is and what she's about. And then do you want to share an email or... Would you prefer people contact you through YouTube and Facebook? On my Facebook, if you look in the description, I have a email in there. It's Living Life with Lisa fourteen, because apparently there's another Living Life with Lisa. <laughs> <laughs> so I had to put a fourteen in there at gmail.com. Okay, wonderful. Well, thank you again so much for uh, taking this time with us. Really appreciate it, Lisa. Well, thank you for the invitation and allowing me to to share. I thank you so much. Hi, this is Suzanne Newman, host of the Answers for Elders podcast and radio show. We are the North Star that guides you through the complicated journey of senior care with trusted experts in money, law, living solutions, and more. So join us on this station, your favorite podcast channel, or just go to AnswersForElders.com. Meet the Wayshowers who will help your journey a lot easier.